Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world welcome to the cliff ravenscraft show here's your host cliff ravenscraft that's right my friends welcome back to another episode of the cliff ravenscraft show and today we're going to switch things up just a little bit and i want to speak to just a portion of the overall audience it might be a good size of them but we're going to talk about or talk to the married couples today. And I have invited my wife, Stephanie, to join me in the studio. Stephanie, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I am doing awesome. It's uh, been a while since I've had you in the studio. I think it was myself, you, and was Mark Mason on a- Mark, right after Free the Dream. Right after Free the Dream conference was the last time I had you on here. Wow, so it's been since September. Yes. But you and I have been working a lot together recently more re- more recently than ever before yeah this is i i don't even know how to handle all of this work <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you and i have had a desire to well first of all for those that don't know stephanie and i have quote unquote been working together in building the business that we have today podcasting together consistently since well, December 2005. So we've been creating content together for years. And as our children are getting older now, you've been expressing a desire to say, well, what's next in line for me, right? What is that? How, how, would, you, how would you communicate what desire has been in your heart as the kids are getting older? I think that it's not as the kids were getting older. It's that I've always had a desire to go back to work, so to speak, but knowing that that work now looked different than what maybe I thought it looked when I started staying at home with the kids. So I always knew that that was something that I wanted to do, but God put a contentment in my heart knowing that I was where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. And it was just as our oldest daughter, Megan, was graduating high school last year. And I was like, you know what? I can I can start this now. I don't have to wait until they're all three out of high school to do that. I can start this now. And back in 2014, I was asking my and the, this is when Megan was going into high school. I was asking myself the question, do I start something now or do I wait until they're all gone? And, and so I kind of picked this happy, this happy medium where I have one out of the house, one will be graduating in May and one who has four years of, of high school still ahead of her. And I think that I can make this work. Absolutely. Actually, I know I can make this work. It's, it's an adjustment it's a very big adjustment. I think this is the first time in my life that I have been watching my life season change as it's changing. Our lives come in seasons. I, I had a season where I had three small children, and then I had a season where I had adolescence. And and I think that through that, I've just kind of, they've just kind of naturally 
shifted from one season to the next. Now I'm actually watching it happen. I, you know, I'm having active conversations with Matthew, who is 17, and, and McKenna, who is 13, with, okay, I work all day now. Like, literally, your dad's a slave driver, and I work <laughs> all day now. So, you know, I'm not going to be running to, to the store to get, to get whatever we're going to have for dinner in the middle of the day because I'm working in the middle of the day. So we need to know ahead of time what we're having for dinner. And just all of these little changes that we're making to make this new schedule work for all four of us who are here. And then for Megan, when she comes home, that poor child, she's already like, can you take my spring break off? I won't get to see you at all. And I'm like, I'm sure we'll spend time together, but I'm not going to take the whole week off. And so just how... It'll be completely different for her coming back, and I'm not at her beck and call. Beck and call. I'm not at. Uh, yeah, I can't be by her side at, at a moment's notice. I still can because that's the joy of being self-employed. Right. But would I still give her that? Right. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like well, mom mom has work. You know, there's office hours that you go into, and of course, yes, being self-employed, you design those hours. You can work things around but but the thing is is there are some expectations and things that we have that we're working on one of the things that has been hinted here as you have been talking and i haven't shared with this community those who listen to the audio journal know all about the fact that you and i are working together in our business more frequently so you have we'll just let everybody else in for those who are not on the audio journal subscription list so Basically, you have had this desire to build your own personal brand, but also work more of us doing things together. So it started, oh, I think I had a desire to build my own personal brand, and the rest of it just kind of happened organically out of that. Yeah, because it's so funny how your personal brand is so closely tied to my own personal brand. But not so much that we equal each other in what we're doing, but they complement each other so well, and that when we can together do things that help promote your personal brand, that promote my personal brand, we can do two things in our own personal brands that promote the things that we do together. It's just like this perfect fit that I believe that really God's laid in our in our lap and has given us this mission and vision, and it goes so much to what we want to share today. Absolutely. So, and and just so people know that um, you have, you've had this desire to build your brand, uh, your own personal brand, Thriving Mosaic, and Thriving Mosaic can be found in your favorite podcast directory, and Stephanie and I podcast together on a weekly basis inside of the Audio Journal podcast, which you can find at mindsetanswerman.com slash audio journal. Anyway, Stephanie has been working on building her own personal brand. Her She's got her own products and services now, which is incredible. She has the Thriving Mosaic Master, or no, it's the Say what is it? It's free to thrive mastermind. The free to thrive mastermind already has three amazing women who are meeting together with her on a weekly basis in a mastermind group, which is incredibly awesome. You're creating weekly content in your podcast, which is incredibly awesome content. People are loving it. And then you and I have been working together. We worked together on the Free the Dream Conference. And it was at Free the Dream Conference that all of a sudden that conference was initially something that seemed like to be more of my dream and it was my vision of 
of something that I wanted to fulfill, but you had, I wanted to definitely use this as a an opportunity to shine the spotlight on you and your message and what you have to bring to the table to this entire audience. And what I came away with from that event thinking and seeing is like, wait a second, Free the Dream was very clearly not, it wasn't a Cliff Ravenscraft product slash service. This was a Cliff and Stephanie thing. This was this is something that is a part of our vision together of, of how we're reaching people. And that became most evident by the stories that you and I individually have received about marriages that were impacted as a result of Free the Dream. Oh, absolutely. It, it was, I think that... I mean, I went into Free the Dream. It was your thing. And I was just, you know, I was got to be behind the scenes and, you know, agree with ag- agree with um with Lauren on some feathers and some colors and a lot of the planning. A lot of the planning, but but it was it was your thing and you were, you know, letting me I'm using my air quotes, you were letting me talk, which I didn't understand why you were letting me talk because I wasn't really certain that I wanted to talk. And so, but I, I went into it was very much in my mind your thing, but I was standing there during your opening keynote. I'm standing there and I'm looking around and I'm like, no, we built this. Yes, we built this. We built this. I mean, it was absolutely God ordained, and I never want anyone to take my words as that I'm leaving him out of it, because I believe that everything that we do is because he's allowed us to do it. Yes. We built that by following his lead. Right. And it was incredible and humbling and amazing. When people were sharing their stories, there was a man in the audience. I never met him face to face, um, but he said some words that like ripped my heart open. And I don't know what he's doing right now and, and how that situation is, because for me, there was no personal contact there. But I pray for him daily. It was um, related to his marriage. It was related to his marriage. And that stuck with me. So as people were telling me their their stories and and I was yeah, I'm I'm still kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. I don't know how I'm gonna handle it when we do it with more people. Yeah, well, God will give us what's necessary to, I, to be able to do that. What, the interesting thing is some behind-the-scenes information is that before the ideal of the idea, or I should say, of Free the Dream came about, you and I were already internally, we were talking about planning our very first ever marriage conference we were considering a conference already, but we had not publicly spoken about the fact that you and I have this dream of doing a marriage conference. Right. That was just something we kept internal. Well, I, I think that draws all the way back to the beginning of Family from the Heart in 2008 when you know we had an idea of what we wanted that show to be and who we wanted that show to touch. And, and so that's always been a part of our heart. That was in the works. And I have learned that very dangerous words to come out of my husband's mouth are, I have an idea. (laughs) And if any wife can relate to these words, we should make a club because they're, they're very dangerous words. And so in 2017, 
my husband decides that he's going to go to Franklin, Tennessee to go to the tribe conference. He's got a ton of friends down there and it's a good time for him to connect with other entrepreneurs and, and, and people. And I'm like, okay, go have fun. He comes home and he says, I have an idea. And that is, you know, where my marriage conference fell in the, in the will happen later basket while his, his free the dream became less of a dream and more of a reality. And that is a very accurate description of how things went down. In a way, I I feel like I should feel a little guilty about that. But at the same time, I feel like that seemed to be the the path that was clearly laid before us to walk down. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So, but the reality is is that it's like wow, we we definitely have had this vision since the beginning of Family from the Heart, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that was, a, what, 11 years ago now, and you and I had been radically impacted in a positive, powerful way as far as our marriage when you and I attended for the very first time a marriage conference called Weekend to Remember. Yes, we had been married seven years when we went to our first Weekend to Remember and I remember my, my biggest takeaway from that weekend after seven years of marriage is how have I been married for seven years and I didn't know how to communicate? Yes. Like, how, how, how was that possible? I had no idea what I didn't know. And the fact that we made it seven years is a testament that, that God was in control because we, we both come from divorced families we did not have this example of a, a, a marriage that lasts a lifetime. And we also had some very bitter disagreements between our parents, you know, our biological parents. And, and we've, we've had, we, we've grown up with some dysfunctional examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, we, we managed those first seven years, but man, did things radically change. I mean, a radical shift. Uh, uh, one thing I remember about that first marriage conference, Stephanie, is that you and I went, and we it, we it was right down here in Cincinnati, and we live what fifteen minutes away. Yeah. And so we decided, hey, we'll just drive in. Why get a hotel? Right. Why? And I I realized at that point, it's like one of the something hit me that day. It was the it was quote unquote date night because they had an assigned date night, and you had some assignments that you you were supposed to discuss and do over date night. And it became very clear to me. It's like, man, why am I not willing to invest in my marriage? So like last minute, I'm like, I want a hotel room here. I know it's like, I'm going to go book as a hotel room. I want to communicate to my wife right now that this right here is what's most important to me right now. And I think even at that point, it was my work was probably my number one priority. That, that was, And I felt like by working a lot, I was communicating that I was loving you. And I realized, what? Well, no, wait a sec, There's, I've got some things misaligned here. And that was one of the things that I'm like, how did we make it this far? So we experienced this marriage conference called A Weekend to Remember. Sheer stubbornness. And things changed. We, we changed as a result of that in a positive way. We changed our approach to our marriage. It was life-giving, very much life-giving. We loved it so much that the next year we went again when they were back in Cincinnati. We did. And we've always had a heart for this. And this was put together by a, 
a ministry called Family Life. It was founded by Dennis and Barbara Rainey. And I remember that back in the early days, you know, I used to listen to them a ton. And I like their program. It's just, it seems to me that it, Dennis and Barbara Rainey communicate in a way that is for a generation slightly older than us. That, that That's the best way that I can communicate. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I feel like I can listen to Dennis and Barbara Rainey, and I can value what they're saying and, and even how they're saying it, but I'm just on the edge of, this just doesn't seem authentic. And I hate to even say those words because I think they're genuine people. But I think there's... There's a in that older generation there's a there's a line that you don't cross right and I think in our generation and certainly the ones below us authenticity is everything and it's okay for us to communicate real raw authentic thoughts and feelings and emotions and even where we fall short and that's something that I felt was not shared a lot, not just with Dennis and Barbara Rainey, but focus on the family and some other ones. It's just like, I didn't hear a lot of people just expressing their imperfections, you know? Right. It's just, it's like- No one ever told me that, let me rephrase this, because I'm trying to make my, this is something that I have learned on my own with God, just me and him, (laughs) that's it. No one ever explained to me that I can be myself and be a wife when everyone around me was telling me I had to be a submissive wife and I don't have a submissive bone in my body. And God has allowed me to reconcile the two. I think that there are a whole lot of women who feel like they'll never measure up because they don't fit into the mold that they're told they have to fit into. We certainly had, because of our ministry background, there was, a, there was a mold that you were expected to fit into that was even more unreasonable than just the standard mold. It, it, was, it was crazy. Well, anyway, so you and I have always had a passion in our, for, for wanting to share with other married couples, what we've learned and what we've experienced and and from our our growth over the years so that we can help other people avoid some of the earlier mistakes that we've made make to avoid some of the mistakes that we're making today. That's what family from the heart has always been about. That's what a lot of you and I together have been about is trying to help and and encourage other married couples that that they can thrive. That and and so free the dream was very clear. It's like, wow, this Free the Dream is not a marriage conference. No. It is not a marriage conference at all, but it had a radical, profound impact on the lives of several married couples who attended. Yes. And that became very evident from the stories that we heard, marriages that had been saved as a result of it. So you and I have been having a lot of conversations. When do we do the marriage conference? When do we do the marriage conference? How do we do it? How do we do it when we've got this annual Free the Dream conference? When do we launch this? And then we're like, well, okay, that definitely is going to happen. There, it's there's no question. We are the future of Ravenscraft Enterprises LLC. We we will ultimately become a live events company. It seems that that's the direction we're heading. 
when do we launch something for married couples? Because several of those married couples who came to Free the Dream says, hey, I heard that you've been talking behind the scenes about marriage conferences, marriage retreats. When is this happening? We've been thinking about it for quite some time since then, and we decided to move forward on something. But before we get there, I want to jump into what we have prepared for our audience today. And specifically, this message is for people who have been married for more than 10 years. See, I disagree with you Okay. on that, because think of the marriages that could save from getting to this point by... By having this information early. Yes. So, so so while the problems are listed for people who have been married for more than 10 years, more than 10 years, that doesn't mean that it's only for people who have been married for more than 10 years to hear. That's true. All right. I found this list of common marriage problems after 10 years together in an article on, um, what was that called? Huffington Post. Yes. All right, so see if these sound familiar to you if you've been married for more than 10 years. And Stephanie, we can kind of talk about whether or not we've ever experienced any of these problems. All right, number one, you start feeling more like roommates than romantic partners. Well, if you're not intentional about your romantic relationship, that will absolutely happen because you get up, you go to work, you come home, you make dinner, you 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 know eat and make small talk, you watch some TV and and you go to bed and you do it all the next day. And then, you know, you throw some kids in. And if you're not intentional about connecting with your spouse on more than surface level, you will absolutely become roommates. Yeah, and so, and that's what I find is that there comes a time, and I'm going to be very stereotypical, but at least I can explain from my own perspective of what I've noticed and what I've seen happen in a lot of other married couples, whether or not this is applicable to everyone, but as the man who has the job, who's responsible for going out and earning a living, I'm talking about back when I had the day job. I, I understand. So I, I felt like, you know, hey, it's my responsibility. I'm going out and doing the hunting and gathering, you know, and, and all that stuff. And you were at home you know you're you're responsible for taking care of the the kids and making sure that you know that they're where they need to be that they you know their physical well-being and all this other stuff and and then all of a sudden there's this time where i've been mentally emotionally putting all of my energy into my work and you've been mentally and emotionally putting all of your energy into the kids we come together as a family for a few hours and by the end of the day we're exhausted yeah we are exhausted. We've given supposedly all that we have to give. And so in the evening, what do we do? Maybe we sit down and watch a TV show together. And, you know, it, it, a, after a while, it becomes like it, it, we're roommates. It feels like, you know, hey, I, I yeah, I, I live with this person. I share a room. Or what's worse is if the husband comes home and sits down to watch TV together and then the wife continues with the kids because they don't go to bed when the husband walks in the door. Right. There's still, yeah. So there have been time. There have been seasons in our marriage where it's felt like we were more roommates, and it happens when we're very unintentional about our life together. In fact, that's the next one. Is uh, number two, the second problem, is you become bored with your life together. Who's to say I'm not bored right now? <laughs> yeah. So I, I've seen this. I'm not, by the way. I I have there have been times where it's like man we do the same things there have been, that, matter of fact one of the biggest struggles of family from the heart sometimes was that 
what do we come here and talk? It's like we're supposed to record a podcast episode. What are we going to talk about? We just did the same thing this past week that we did the week before. Nothing's new. And if we're not intentionally creating some sort of variety into our life, then we can become bored with the life that we have. We can. The reality is is that it, it doesn't have to be just in marriage. This is just for anybody. You can just get bored with how your life is. And I think the important thing to understand is that we can change things up. All right, number three, your sex life has faded after 10 years together. Well, this, I think, obviously is a touchy subject for a public podcast. But there has been times when in our own life that this has been a struggle for us. Were you going to say something? I'm trying to figure out what I'm allowed to say because you say what's on your heart public podcast (laughs) I think that as a woman who had sexual trauma as a child and was sex shamed in the church that my sex life never got started because it took a very long time for it to be what God intended it to be right So while we may have had romantic relations in the early part of our marriage, they weren't, you weren't free to be, to experience it in freedom until much later into our marriage. Yes. And when did that change for you? How many years into our marriage would you say? Yeah, probably like 12. Yeah. (laughs) Like a good long time. For those who are struggling in that area, what was it that changed inside of you? What, was, there a, was there a moment? Was there an experience that you had that helped you in that area? There was. And, okay, so I, I was. I went on that retreat in 2012. That retreat. Which is, I'm getting there. Um, I went on a captivating retreat, which is based on the book Captivating by John and Stacy Eldridge. Amazing book. I believe every woman should read it. And I came down off, it was in Colorado, way up in the mountains. And so I came down off of that mountain profoundly different in that I was completely free to be who God created me to be. Yep. And, and so while... I mean, that was that was 2012. We had been married for a very long time by then. And and so while over everything before 2012, there were moments where I thought I knew what it was, but that was the moment that I no longer held any shame that had been spoken to me in youth group or any, you have to do this spoken to me from the elder women of the church that we attended when we were first married and I was a very young woman. And I no longer held any of that, but it was that assurance from God that I was free to explore with you what it meant. Yeah. And that I could, I don't know, maybe speak aloud what I was thinking. You mean a husband and wife talk about <laughs> sex? And and so, I mean, that was, that was. And you know what's weird is we've been married for more than 22 years. And we are very open about 
talking about, but even still, it's weird. It's like sometimes there's it, it. It's weird to talk about it outside of certain times and in certain places. It's like it's, I I don't know why. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you mean, but yeah. so anyway, it, the fourth common problem: uh, you feel dissatisfied because you think your marriage has prevented you from accomplishing certain life goals. I think that's misplaced blame. The only pe- the only person that can prevent you from achieving your life goals is yourself. But I believe that that would be a problem. It's a misconception. I I would agree with that. In fact, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the antidote to some of these problems in just a little bit. But certainly, I think one of the issues is that uh, people give up on their dreams. And it's easier to place blame on someone else or on something else than to look inside and deal with your own. Yeah. So we'll we'll come back to that in a little bit because that's one of the things that I noticed at Free the Dream, married couples, especially wives. I I, I don't know if this is like uh, culture wide, but certainly from the the small sample group that we had, it seemed like wives had had this issue where it's like I don't even know that I have dreams anymore, or that I ever or, had them, or that your husband's dreams become so big that you cannot see yours around them. Yeah. And I can see, has that been a problem for you? It was, but it's not anymore. Okay. Because I, I, I do. I'm a, I'm a, what do they call, I'm an achiever. He's a loud and obnoxious man. That's what he is. And I just have to shout louder than him. There you go. All right. <laughs> Which leads to number five. Your tolerance for one another has dissipated. And when he was reading these to me earlier, I said, that happens daily around here. <laughs> <laughs> number six. It just doesn't stick. The sixth problem is that you stop celebrating milestones, both big and small. And that's something I don't think that you and I have ever really struggled with. That that problem. No, I don't think so. I think, as a matter of fact, I remember yesterday, you were just like, hey, did you know it's my half birthday today? I did. <laughs> I, I did. And I said, happy, happy, happy half birthday. Which wasn't really the bit. It the wasn't. point was that I have been 40 for six months. And and actually say what you said next, because I think that's important for people to hear. I think it will be encouraging. Okay. So I had no fear turning 40. I had no apprehension turning 40. But my 30s were fantastic because I found myself in my 30s. And, and so I knew turning 40 that I was who I am meant to be. Yeah. But six months after being 40, I can say that they're shaping up to be better than my 30s. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. We should all be celebrating and we should be our own best cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that Joseph McClendon third taught us at the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within event that you and I attended in June of 2016 that was an incredible weekend. It was. But one of my favorite, he's like, listen, you need to celebrate and you need to be your own best cheerleader. He says, sometimes you just need to give you wrap Get your arms and- around yourself and give yourself a big hug. Or pat yourself on the back. Pat or- yourself on the back or jump up and give yourself a, a high, high five. five. And then, of course, he has shake your hindquarters, but he doesn't yeah. say hindquarters. No, he doesn't. Anyway, fun stuff. All right. And the seventh problem is you forgot how to be goofy and to have fun. This is not something that I struggle with anymore because, and my, my kids tell me all the time, mom, you're such a child. <laughs> you're, you're such a child. I said, no, I'm not. I'm in touch 
with my child. <laughs> I'm in touch with my inner child and I know how to have fun and how to be goofy and you know, dance around the kitchen and, you know, whatever it takes. And I include everyone around me in that. And if they don't want to, then bah humbug to them, they can go away. So Cliff has the, the, you have the power to either join in on that or. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that there has been at least one season of my life where I knew that I just, I forgot how to be goofy and and to have fun. I was so serious. It's like, listen, if I'm not serious, then I had this belief that if I'm not serious, then I'm not being responsible. And 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 this is all serious. Things need to be done. Well, yeah, you're done. a grown-up now. Exactly. Seriously. I know. Behave like one. I'm like, no. And I had to behave like a grown-up when I was a kid. Now I'm a grown-up and I want to behave like a kid. And so I, I don't know when it happened for me. I think it was probably, it's probably about the time that you and I decided to give up on some of the the traditional ways that we were brought up in and we embraced more freedom. And when I when I finally completely wrapped my mind around the concept of grace, the the unmerited favor that God gives me, and that it's like just just be free. I be my child and 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 love and and th- I've given you this world to explore. It's yours and it's the world is your playground. It's like yeah, and so I've I've been more fun and free ever since then, and mm-hmm. and I feel like I embrace that even more and more on a daily basis. So anyway, those are seven common problems that couples face after ten years of marriage. If you've been married for ten years or more, maybe you've experienced some of those. Now, Stephanie and I, as I said several times, we've been married for more than twenty-two years, and this is something we both believe very strongly. We believe that you have the opportunity to have as much love, joy, and satisfaction in your marriage after 22 years, even as much as when you were first dating. More than. More than. I I believe more than, and it is because this. When we were dating. Guilt-free sex, for one. Okay. (laughs) Um, Not if you're sex-shamed as a teenage girl. Okay. Um, So... No, I'm talking about after 22 years of marriage. Oh, after 20, yeah, okay. Um, I thought you just meant after marriage. And yeah, all of those feelings don't magically get turned off once, you know, you're no. married. But um, what I was going to say was when we were dating, we were putting our best foot forward. Yes. You wanted, I wanted you to like me. You wanted me to like you. I, you know, I wanted you to fall in love with me and, and, and vice versa. I think that you can have it stronger and more after 22 years of marriage because you know me. I know you. Even more important than that, I believe it's because I know you because you know you. Absolutely. And I know me. I did not know who I was when you and I first got married. And you've learned a lot about who you are over the years. I have. So much of who we were back then when we first got married was who we thought we were supposed to be. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there absolutely, Stephanie and I are both adamant that after 22 years of marriage, you can experience more love, more joy, and more satisfaction than when you were first married or even dating. Mm -hmm. 
And there are five marriage principles. There, there are many marriage principles, but to keep it short enough for a podcast episode, we're going to share with you five marriage principles that we're going to share with you today. The first one's: you do not have to sacrifice your own personal identity for this concept of becoming one. I think that this is a big one, and I think we just touched on it, because when we first got married, everything that we were was who we were told or who we thought we should be. Yep. And I was, I felt like I came, when I came into marriage, I was taught that I need to sacrifice who I am and become somebody that you needed me to be. Right. And that you needed to sacrifice who you are so that you could somehow meet the needs that I have so that we could complete one another and that by coming together and us uniquely sacrificing all of ourselves for the purpose of meeting the needs of the other, that we, that somehow that's how we become one. That's how I believe I was taught. Whether I was actually taught those things or just somehow that's permeated through all the things that was expressed in sermons, interpretations of scriptures, and, and just whacked out thinking. But boy, I do not think any of those things today. No, I... I believe that I have to be whole on my own and that together we complement each other in our wants and dreams and desires. Right. And that's what becoming one means to me. I agree. The The idea is that you have to discover who you uniquely are. What are your gifts, talents, abilities, your weaknesses and strengths and the reality is, is that I don't complete you. You are a complete person in and of yourself. For me, I have to do exactly the same. I have to know what my gifts, talents, abilities are, my strengths, my weaknesses. And when you and I come together as a married couple, it's not that you complete me. I am complete. I, you existed before I asked you to marry me. And if I never asked you to marry me, you would go on and live life with, I mean, you would survive on this planet without me. And so you didn't need me to complete you. I didn't need you to complete me. So we need to, we individually are individual human beings, our own identities, our own dreams, our own desires, our own gifts, our own passions, our own goals and aspirations uniquely. And we don't need, when we come together, this is what I've learned in this principle, we don't, we're not supposed to give those things up. We're supposed to bring the fullness of all of that together. And when we become one, what we become together something that we could never individually be alone. There are things that we are still going to do individually that we should still do individually, that we should still pursue individually. But there are now things that together, when we are united in a mission and a purpose, there are things that we can accomplish together that neither of us could ever dream of accomplishing on our own because we can complement one another, not complete, but we can complement one another with our get, where some of my weaknesses are your strengths. Some of my, some of your weaknesses are my strengths. I think I just said it the right way. I don't know. Anyway, but some of us, man, your strengths and my strengths, when they align, look out world, nothing's going to hold us back from achieving the things that we together can do as one. 
but that just because we have a mission and we we you and I are one and we are pursuing things together as one that we could never do on, alone but you still have your own I, individual absolutely. things and absolutely and so this is a principle that I don't think is taught in very many places Mm-mm. sacrifice is not a bad thing and sacrifices are made. And sacrifices are made and, and compromises are made. But you should not sacrifice your identity on some sort of altar that says, I'm giving up who I am. One. I'm giving up my dreams. I'm giving up my own vision of what I'm on this earth to do. That You don't have to give all of You should not give all of that up in your marriage. There, There is one story over the course of my life that still makes me laugh at my okay anyone who knows me and knows me well knows that i'm quite sarcastic and sassy like all of the time and we had many years where we led small bible studies in people's homes and through the the congregational gathering that we were a part of and i remember we were meeting this new couple who had come to Cliff for insurance and, you know, were, I think they were new to town at the time. Anyway, it does not matter. But they they come to our, our Bible study and the husband. Now, I always, always have trusted my gut. I, I can say when I'm wrong, but I will let... I will let my my gut and my my first reaction or my my first impression of someone guide a meeting. And and so I just had this this impression of this man and then he walks over to me and he goes, "So you're Cliff's wife?" <laughs> and I said, "No, I'm Stephanie." <laughs> and that was a long time. I mean, that was a long oh, time I re- ago. I remember this. Yeah. And and I said, I happen to be married to Cliff, but I am able to stand on my own separate from him. Yep. And and I, I have to, I mean, our relationship with, with this couple obviously didn't last long, but I can't imagine why. But um, Well, they had a different view of the world than we they did. They did have a different view of the world, and they no longer live in our area, and as their, their work took them elsewhere, but... Um, but that that stayed with me that that it was just no. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm married to Cliff, and I like being married to Cliff, and I'm proud to be married to Cliff. But I am so much more. And and it's not that you wouldn't say, well, because you are my wife. I am. You are Cliff's wife. But it wasn't the it wasn't that that he was saying. It wasn't that he, that he was saying. I, I want people to understand it wasn't Stephanie wasn't just reacting to this like blowing this out of the guy was probably just being nice, you know? No, he there there Like I said, I let my impression of of my yeah. first meeting. And Steph, Stephanie's intuition guys, was absolutely correct in this area. And then I would like run into him in the grocery and I'm like dodging down aisles. <laughs> <laughs> To avoid interaction. I just want people to know that there there have been a number of times, like at Free the Dreams, it's like, oh, you're, so you're Cliff's wife. And you would say, well, yeah, I am. Well, yeah, I am. Uh, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have that reaction to everyone is Wait, what I'm saying. I, I, I wouldn't. And I, I thought I was clear in that I let my impression yes, um, I, gu- I just guide, to make guide sure. that meeting. And and so it, it is, it, I, I, I'm proud to be your wife, but it is not 
my soul not, identity. It is not your it is your I love that. It's not my soul identity. It is one part of your overall identity. All right. Anyway, okay. <laughs> principle <laughs> number right. 1. So so principle number 1, you do not have to sacrifice your own personal identity to become one. The second principle that we've learned and that we have used to help us to have the marriage that we have today. Number two, a healthy marriage has a list of his dreams, her dreams, and our dreams. Yes. And, and, and of course, dreams you can supplement in their goals, mission, purpose. You can have your own dream, your own goals, your own achievements that you're going after both as a husband and a wife but and then together. and together you you should in a healthy marriage have some things that you're working on together that you guys are are, are uniquely gifted to do that no uh, nobody else could do and you could never do alone individually and this for you and I have been very good at that I mean you've gosh there's no doubt in my mind that you've always supported my dreams and my visions, whether it be my earliest days when we first got married and I told you, I feel called to a life of ministry. <laughs> and then uh, when I decided to leave my career in insurance uh, or wanting to decide, to, and you, actually you decided for me, for me to leave my career in insurance. And but I mean, even, even before that, when you wanted to get your life insurance license. Yeah. You wanted, you know, and to to go away to for go, special training for yeah. all of this different stuff, and you've always supported that. And the one thing I can tell you is that there was a time when I felt like so much was you supporting my dreams, you supporting my dreams, and it it's I don't think that it's that I never supported your dreams, but I can tell you that looking back, I didn't spend enough time asking the question, "What are your dreams?" Okay. I, I get that. And I feel like it was 2000, late 2011, early 2012, when I started to really understand the importance of asking you, what are your dreams? And, you know, of course, it, when I started to understand, you know, I, I felt bad when I first asked you that question because <laughs> some of your dreams are like, well, I'd like, I'd like a new car and I'd like a new house. But and and hold on, I, and, and we don't have time to go into all the details. It's like, okay, those are big dreams. But the reality is, is when I really got to understand and uncover why are those your dreams? When I when I stopped fo- focusing on what those dreams would cost, and started focusing on what those dreams would w- fulfill within you, your purpose, your identity, your your mission in this world. It's as soon as I understood your mission and your own purpose and your own dreams that God put on your heart, then it became not how much does it cost. It's like, what do I have to do to make that a reality? What do we do together to make this a reality? And that would have never happened had I not finally intentionally said, Stephanie, what are your dreams? What are your goals? And at Free the Dream, we had this assignment that I gave everybody at Free the Dream. Write down a list of 25 things that you want. Don't think about it. Don't ask yourself how possible it is. Don't don't forget about how you would get this, how you would afford it, how selfish you think it is. Don't feel about don't think about how guilty it is. Just don't think, just write down something you want. 25 of them on a piece of paper right now. 
And I would encourage every married couple to do this individually. Absolutely. And, and then go out on a date and talk and read through your list together. It, it was, I, I love the, so we did this when we got back from Freed the Dream and and then when I looked at our list, seven of our 25 are the same. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty cool. And since going through that, we've been doing things together to make those dreams. Some of your individual dreams, some of my individual dreams, but certainly the ones that we share together, we've been actively pursuing them. Would have never happened had we not made the lists. Right. Dreams. So a healthy marriage has a list of his dreams, her dreams, and our dreams. <laughs> Principle number three, your spouse may not speak the same language as you. And by what do you mean? Uh, por favor? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't speak any other language except for pig Latin. All right. So we're spe- specifically talking about what, Stephanie? We're talking about the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Gary yep. Chapman. Yep. And the book was like revolutionary to me at the time. The idea that the way that I receive love is not the way that you receive love was like totally foreign to me. Totally foreign to me. So I mean, here's the deal. All of these people are telling me what I have to do to be a good submissive wife and I'm doing them and they aren't adding up because that's not the dang language that you speak. Nope, not at all. Yeah, somebody else is saying, well, maybe if you did this, maybe if you did that. And it's like, and Stephanie's doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, that's all great, but why don't you love me? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're just so hard to love. So what this book, by the way, you can find it at mindsetanswerman.com slash love language book, all one word, Uh, mindsetanswerman.com slash love language book. And in the five love language, Gary Cha- languages, Gary Chapman says there are five different love languages. There's words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. These are how the and and we all have some level of these. Mm-hmm. Well, we but we certainly prioritize. So, for example, uh, we took the quiz that's in the book, um, and Stephanie, her number one. Uh, way to receive love is acts of service. It is. What is an? Give me three examples of an ex- act of service, just random ones, off the top three, of your head. Three, um, putting gas in my car. Yep. I'm um, doing the dishes. Yep. And I. Just, clearly, those are the two that speak the most to me. There you go. All right. <laughs> so that's fair enough. Okay. So there's two of them, right? Right. So the and and that's the way if. If, when those acts of services are done for you, just out of the blue, you didn't have to ask for it, uh, it wasn't even expected. The more unexpected it is, the more it's just like, oh my gosh, he loves me. It's like that that right. fills your love tank, if you will. And in fact, I think that's what Gary that talk, what he, he he talks, talks about, mm-hmm. the fact that there's this love tank and it's always being depleted over time. So you need to continually fill it up with their love language. So these acts of service. Now, the thing is, is you spent the earliest years of our marriage doing so many acts of services for me, right? Which were all null and void. They Which, meant nothing. <laughs> they literally mean nothing to they, me. They meant nothing. I, I took the quiz. And 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 matter of fact, you can go to mindsetanswerman.com slash love language quiz. <laughs> I love that. Here's the look. Have you looked at this? Yes. Your number one is my number four. Yes. And my number one is your number four. Exactly. 
access service is number four for me. So it's not that it means nothing. It's just it's so down on the list. It's like you you could wash the car. <laughs> you could do the laundry. Hand, I could hand wash the car with a soap. You and- You could spend eight hours making the most amazing dinner in the world and and i mean all these things and it would mean almost nothing to me but if you were to do this put your hand on my hand and say dude your hand is cold don't touch all right (laughs) if you were to put your hand it's like i just want you to know something i appreciate and love you so much that all of those other things mean Almost nothing to me, but to hear number one, words of affirmation, and number two, just your physical touch. There are times when, when um, I'm just sitting there, and you will take your fingers and just rub them on my back, and it's like, oh my gosh, that means more to me than you that's know. easy to me because it's my number two as well, right? So that is something, and anyone who notices me or who notices me, anyone who meets me will notice that. I will uh, hold your hand or I'll touch your shoulder or your arm or like that. That's something that's very easy for me because it's also very high on my list. Yep. But my number one is words of affirmation. Yours is acts of service. And mine. So for me, I can say, I love you. I think you're amazing and all this other stuff, but that's number four for you. And so while I'm thinking, man, what I would do, what I would be feeling if I heard these words from you. I'm thinking I'm giving these to you and your, your your love tank should be full. But meanwhile, you're on like a quarter tank, you know, it's like, listen, it's 20 miles till empty, dude. <laughs> Seriously, fill my, do my dishes. <laughs> so when you get the, when you understand your, your spouse's love language, things will change. Things will change. Things will change. Check it out. Mindsetanswerman.com slash love language book and also mindsetanswerman.com slash love language quiz. Go take that quiz today. Have your spouse you can, take that quiz today. I know that this is all about marriage. I do, but as I know, you can um, have your kids take any oh, one yeah. of certain, like there are quizzes for children because I think that that's a big thing, too, when you can speak your child's love language. Very true. And uh, fivelovelanguages.com also, is help- where you can find the other quizzes. I know. I'm totally changing, um, but this popped into my... So also, that helps in disciplining, because if you have a child whose number one is physical touch and you are spanking them, you are actually doing more harm than than disciplining. And so anyway, I'm done. We can talk about marriage again. Cool. All right. So principle number four, your spouse cannot read your mind. Cliff tried to do this to me in a video the other day. I did. In fact, you can, well, matter of fact, we'll, we'll save it because they can go to the sales page for a special marriage workshop that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, anyway, your spouse cannot read your mind. Don't assume that your spouse knows what you're thinking. Don't assume that your spouse knows what you're feeling and never assume that your spouse knows what you expect of them. You must communicate all of these things all of the time all of the time you need to communicate well i just told you what i was thinking like 10 days ago why can't you yeah no 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 no, no. that's what you were thinking 10 10 days days ago ago. what are you thinking today you we need to consider now the thing is is do we always need to communicate everything we're thinking no (laughs) no not at all do we need to communicate everything we're feeling no no do we need to communicate everything we expect? Best not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a good idea. But 
if something Especially is a, not if your love language is words of affirmation. <laughs> so there there's a there's a line here that that you learn to navigate of of what's appropriate but the reality is is if you're never telling your spouse what you think if you're never telling your spouse what you're feeling and if you never express to your spouse what you are expecting then they can never live up to those expectations no, they'll never they'll never meet it because they don't know where the line is they don't know what their they don't know what success is right they don't know what the goal, what what to shoot for. Not that you set the standard, but but certainly. If, right. But the thing is, there are things that you expect, and it, you need to communicate so that at least they can tell you how far out of the line you are. <laughs> or it's like, oh, really? That's all you needed, and then you realize I mean, that's it's it. Like, that, that was easy. Wow, I should have asked for more. <laughs> Maybe you should have told me that twenty years ago. Yes. Oh my gosh, how many times have we said that? There is an art to effective communication and so much more. We could create tons of content on that. And we're going to have an entire session at the workshop that we're going to host on communication. But anyway, one book that I recommend, this is a book you have not read yet. No, it's on my list. How to Win Friends and Influence People. There are lots of different sections of this book, but I I just want to briefly run down some of the things that you'll learn. Don't ever criticize, complain, or condemn. Give honest and sincere appreciation. Become genuinely interested in other people. Smile. Remember that a person's name to that person is the sweetest thing in the and most important thing in any language. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Talk in items of the other person's interest. And make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. All right? And then, of course... Uh, win people to your way of thinking. How many of you as a husband would like to win your wife over to your way of thinking? Or wives, how many of you would like to win your husband over to your way of thinking? All right, check this out. The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. So avoid arguing. Show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. If you are wrong, admit it quickly and empathetically. Begin in a friendly way when, I, when you want to share something. You should always begin in a friendly way. Let the other person do a great deal of the talking. Let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. Stephanie does this for me all of the time, and it works great. This is probably the foundation <laughs> of my marriage. I might have to wait longer to get things done, but once he realizes that it was his idea all along, mm-hmm. oh, my word. Magic. That's magic, people. I can't teach you how to do it, but it's magic. All right. So, by the way, there's more principles in this book. It's an incredible book. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It should be a book read by everyone. And then principle number five, your spouse cannot make you happy, angry, hurt, sad, or any other emotion. In fact, one of the things that, that you should spend some time on learning outside of really great effective communication is how to take responsibility for your own emotional health, and more importantly, your emotional responses. Yes. Which you can do. You can. Free the Dream is all about, well, it's, it's a lot of that is, is how to handle those emotional things. Anyway, it Stephanie. It's the greatest thing that I'm in control of are my actions and my reactions, and my emotional health. Absolutely. Those are the greatest things in my control. Yep. 
the one thing that Stephanie and I most want to do together, our mission and our purpose together is to help married couples experience more love, joy, and satisfaction in their relationships. Because, you know, we only get one time to go through this life. If you've been married for more than 20 years, like <laughs> Stephanie and I have. I saw this, I saw this little, what's the word? It's a meme on, is that what it's, right? Yeah, It meme. was on Facebook and it was, I think it was Charlie Brown and Snoopy. And Charlie Brown says, you only get one chance to live. And and Snoopy responds with, no, I live every day. I only die once. <laughs> oh, yes, I did see that. You shared that with me. Did I share that yeah, with you? Yeah, yeah. We live every day. We, we have this day. chance. We Make have this the opportunity. Most of it. You and I have the opportunity every single day, even after 22 years. Stephanie, you and I have the opportunity to do life together, or we could just live together. Right. The choice is ours. The choice is ours. We can make it whatever we want it to be. And I choose to do life with you. And I love doing life with you. I love doing life with you. And we want to help other married couples do life together. And all of this to say that Stephanie and I are hosting the Thriving Marriage Workshop on April 4th, 5th, and 6th in our home here in the Next Level Studio. So we are doing another Next Level Workshop, only this one's going to be the Thriving Marriage Workshop. It is for married couples only. And we have space for only seven married couples, one married couple already committed. Several others are pending uh, confirmation on working out the details. So very few spots remaining. If you would like to invest in your marriage and taking your marriage to the next level, if you would like to be able to get some insight and some time away to immerse yourself into to embracing who is my spouse, what is their identity, how can we embrace that, and what is our identity and our mission and our purpose together, how can we learn to communicate more effectively If you are interested in investing in your marriage at a whole new level, we encourage you to come to the Thriving Marriage Workshop, April 4th, 5th, and 6th of 2019, and the page to sign up and learn more information is at MindsetAnswerMan.com slash life together. That's MindsetAnswerMan.com slash life together. Don't delay, though. There's only seven spots. And I have a feeling that by the end of... There are only six spots left. (laughs) There's only six spots, but I think by the end of either today or tomorrow, there might only be four spots left. Okay. So don't delay on this. If you want to do this, come here and spend the weekend with us and some other amazing couples. We're so excited. So excited. To share with you what we have to share and to really get... I'm, I'm most excited about spending time with couples. Yes, uh, because most most of these workshops that I've done, it's like one of it's, it's like it's just the husband or it's right. just the wife that comes. Right. But man, our heart for married couples to come and do life together, do life together, including be the, on the workshops. Same page, enjoy this life that you've chosen. I mean, here's the thing: if you want to rewind twenty two years, you know, twenty years, eighteen years, whatever your number is, that's the person that you chose. And to let everything else get in the way and come before that choice, which was probably your most important choice, yep. 
just seems all kinds of wrong to me. And th- and by the way, if you've experienced any of the seven problems that we talked about early earlier, it, there's no shame in that. But come here and learn how to get beyond those problems and to get back to living life together. MindsetAnswerMan.com slash life together. And until next time, we encourage you to... What do you want to see? You're wanting something. I, I was, you're I, you're I, wanting something. I, I was going to tell you ahead of time. I, I still don't read your mind. I know. I was going to, until next time, live your life together. Live your life together. I like that. Yeah. We'll have to use that. Well, just for this one. Well, whenever we're promoting this, we'll, we'll do yeah. that. So until next time, we encourage you to live your life together.